Thank you guys so, so very much for coming tonight. As I look around the room, I see a lot of new faces. Uh, for those of you guys who do not know me, my name is Craig Cackley. I'm the youth pastor here. And I just want to say a special thanks to you for coming. Um, you know, this is a, a place where we like to do church a little bit differently. Um, I'm under the impression that church can be fun and it can be interesting. It doesn't have to be boring and irrelevant. So we try to do our best to make this fun, uh, despite my inability to speak and communicate many times and my inability to say funny jokes. So you'll have to bear with me tonight. But we are so excited, and me personally, because we're starting a brand new series, as you saw by this high-dollar video we just showed of stolen footage from Captain Planet and the Planeteers. How many of you guys remember them? Great show. Now, they were green. Everyone's like, it's cool to be green now. They were green back when it wasn't cool to be green, and he wore the spandex to prove it. But we are starting a new series entitled Element, and this series is really unique in some ways because the idea and the concept behind this series was actually birthed from some of you. There was a couple ladies in this youth group who came to me, and they said, Craig, we actually have an idea. We thought it would be really cool if you spoke a message on the end times. One Wednesday night, we could bring our friends because we just don't know much about that. And we would love to learn. And so I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, so why don't, from now on, you just keep all your stupid ideas to yourself. And No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I actually said, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And so as I began to think and I began to pray on that, um, four specific things came into my mind that we have molded into this series element. We're going to be addressing the different elements of wind, earth, water, and fire. The, um, the wind, which we're going to be addressing tonight, deals with heaven. Next week, we're going to dive into fire, which represents the Holy Spirit. The week following that, we'll talk about earth, which stands for the end times. And finally, we're going to conclude on water, which represents baptism. And Nate talked about this just for a second. And I want to overemphasize this point for those of you who have been coming and you say, Craig, I have received a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you say, Craig, I'm trying. I've invited God into my heart and I've started that journey and I am yet to be baptized. You need to do this. It's biblical. It's the next step in the process. And this is all that it is. Baptism is nothing more than an outward sign of you making a public proclamation of your relationship with God. And you being submerged in water represents that water cleansing you of, it represents Jesus cleansing you of the sin and refreshing you and renewing you into a new creation. And it's going to be so amazing. We're throwing a party. Invite your friends. We're still trying to get all of us to go down to the pond in front and baptize you there. It would be an honor for me as your pastor to be able to baptize you. This is a monumental step in your lives. So do not underplay this. It is actually a really, really big deal. So as I mentioned earlier tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about heaven. But before I say one word in regards to heaven, I need to say this with everyone's attention and eyes looking on me. Tonight, I am going to fail miserably at trying to communicate this topic. The reason is this specific thing we are talking about, heaven, it is humanly impossible to understand all that God has in store for each of his children. 
We do not have the intellectual prowess or the mental capacity to comprehend what God has created for each and every one of us. It even says in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 2.9, let's read that together very quickly. It says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That's pretty amazing. That is the place that we're going to talk about tonight. So because me being human, being finite, not being immortal like the Highlander, I do not have the authority to talk about all of the different elements of heaven. So I thought it would be to my and your advantage if we heard from an expert in this field. And so without further ado, I introduce to you Interviews with Nate. and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Interview with Nate. I know a lot of us had questions about heaven out there, and so I managed to get our very own angel. Well, I'm glad you could make it out here on such short notice, but I actually didn't catch your name. Gabriel! Oh, so you're the Gabriel? No... Oh, well, okay then. Anyways, I think we all have some questions about heaven. I know me especially, I want to know what to expect when I enter those pearly gates. Uh, don't worry, you're not going. What do you mean I'm not going to heaven? Just kidding. Angel joke. Okay. Well, at least explain to me and our viewers, what is heaven really like? Uh, it's like a Justin Bieber concert on steroids. Justin Bieber. I've never actually been to one of his concerts before. Your loss. I guess what I meant was, do you have any other way to explain to us what heaven is like? Uh, yeah. It's a little like this. Oh, so that's what heaven's like. No, just kidding. Heaven's actually cool. <laughs> well, I can see that you're actually going to be no help whatsoever. I guess I'm going to have to find out what heaven's like on my own. Yeah, sooner than later, May 7th, 2011. What? Uh, nothing. I better get going. Bye! Well, that concludes another episode of Interview with Nate Murphy. Well, Nate, I think we're all a little bit dumber after having watched that. And may God have mercy on your soul. Now, as you can tell, we spent a lot of money to produce that. So we really need a big offering. <laughs> no, um, wow. Wow is all I have to say. If there's one thing that we can take away from that video, it's that sometimes it's frustrating. Because when we think of the topic of heaven, 
we want clear answers, don't we? We want cut and dry, black and white. And for any of you left brain weirdos out there, you want everything very structured, everything very concise, in a row, numbered one, two, three, four, five. This really bothers you because you want to know exactly what heaven's like. You want to have the atmosphere described to you. You want to know the temperature and what will I be wearing? Will my dog there? You want every single detail lined out in front of you. But for those of us who are more right, right brain, more abstract, creative like myself, the whole thought and concept that there is a place created for me beyond my wildest dreams invigorates me. Because I'm a very creative person. Some would call it ADD or mild retardation, but I like to call it create, creative. And I have a tendency to just zone off every once in a while. And I can think up some pretty wild things. And to think that there is something that the Bible says is beyond what I can dream, I can dream big. How many out there, you're like, Craig, I can dream big. But God can create something beyond that. That, to me, gets me excited. And it gets me really pumped up to talk about what we're going to be talking about tonight. So the good news is this. That we have this happy medium for all of us left and right brainers in the room. That the Bible actually has given us some perspective. So we do have a good idea of what heaven is going to be like. It hasn't necessarily given us the whole picture. But it's given us pieces of the puzzle to where we, to where we know certain things for sure. And we can draw educated conclusions on other things. And so tonight... <coughs> I want to create a hypothetical situation to help us understand what heaven is like. I need a volunteer. Alex McCoy, thank you very much. So Alex, uh, you don't have to come up here. You can just sit in your seat. I'm just going to use your name in a story that I'm going to tell. And let's say Alex has a friend named Laquita. So I want to tell you a story about Alex McCoy and Laquita Jackson. Alex and Laquita, they had tried out for the flag team at their school, and they made it. They were really excited. They were flag dancers, and they were very passionate about their flags. Alex and Laquita, they practiced hours on end. Every day and night, they'd be up in their room twirling those flags and getting it to where they were perfectly synchronized with one another. Because they knew at the end of the year, they had a flag competition that they were going to compete in. So after hours and days and months of practice, Alex and Laquita show up to the district flag dancing competition. They go and they give their hearts out there just throwing those flags around. They're throwing seven different kinds of smoke. I mean, they're going crazy. They gave it everything. They left it all on the flag floor. They felt pretty good about their performance. So they're anxiously awaiting what the judges have to say. So finally, the verdict comes out. They get their scores, and they realize, you got last place. So they are devastated. They're distraught. They begin, Laquita's a little older, so she can drive. You're driving back home, and you just begin to pour out all of your frustrations and hurts. You're thinking, I don't know why they gave us this bad score. We did. 
danced and we threw our flags around and I gave it everything. And the more they began to talk, then tears began to flow. I just don't know why they didn't like our flags. And before we know it, Laquita is throwing her hands in the air. She's causing a ruckus. Then they get in a car accident and both die. So they're dead. And we know that, according to what the Bible says, when we die, I said all of that just to set up this story. It's pretty good, right? We know that we won't go there. (laughs) We know that when we die, this physical body that we have, this temporary vessel that we live in, does not go to heaven. Our spirit leaves our body. And so the spirit of Alex and Laquita go up. And there is actually two different places in the Bible where there is a judgment. You probably didn't know this. Two different judgments. There was one judgment called the white throne judgment. This place is talked about in scripture. It's found in Revelation. It is reserved for those of us in our lives who did not live for Christ. Those of us in our lives who went throughout the 10 year, lived, died, and we were not Christians. So what happens when you're not a Christian? You go to the white throne judgment seat. They look for your name in the Lamb's book of life, which if you'll read the Bible, it says that when you become a Christian, your name is written in this book. They'll look for your name. They will not find it. And at that point, you will be cast into the lake of fire, hell, which we know is not literal physical fire, which we talked about a couple months back, but it is definitely the worst case scenario, hell, separation from God. You don't want to go there. So that's where Laquita went. But it's good news for Alex, because although she wasn't missed, she was a Christian. I'm just kidding. You're missed. She was a Christian. So Alex is actually going to go to a separate place. It's a place that the Bible describes as the Bema judgment. It's called the Bema judgment. The place that we get this word is actually a Greek word, because back in the Grecian Olympics, these athletes would compete with one another. And at the very end, all of the athletes would line up and they would stand in front of the Bema seat or the judge's seat. And there's another name for this. It's also called the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment is reserved for all of us who have relationships with Christ or are considered Christians. So we come before the Bema seat. And Christ judges us. But it's not good to think of it through that perspective. It's better to think of it as a sense of Christ rewards us for the good deeds that we have done. I want us to read together in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. It says this, But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So as you can clearly see, this judgment is reserved strictly for Christians. Now let's think about this for a second, how this applies to our lives now. The things that you are doing now, if you're in this room and you're a Christian, will determine the outcome of this judgment. The ultimate question that arises would be, are the things you're investing in now going to last, going to leave a lasting impact? For some of you, maybe we've been talking the last two weeks on money. 
being good stewards of our money. Maybe you have a lot of extra money, but you just blow it on stupid stuff when there are clearly people all around you who are in need or you refuse to tithe. You refuse to give God his tenth or give to speed the light. You know what? You got your reward in full here. And when you get to heaven, you won't receive any reward for that. But it goes beyond money. We don't just talk about money here. What about our relationships, our time? A lot of us, we spend our time exclusively huddled around our little Christian friends. We're bad at that. We like to form these little cliques, and anyone outside of that clique, we don't care about you. Go away. For those of us who neglect to ever show the love of Jesus Christ to anyone outside our little circle, we are not making lasting impacts. We will not receive a reward for that one day. So this is interesting. This really brings our life into perspective. So we die one day. Our spirit leaves our body. We go up and we will stand before one of the two judgment seats. Then if we were in front of the, the Bema judgment, we will be in heaven, which now we begin to ask some more questions. So now that we're here, I'm in heaven. What is heaven like? What can we expect? And in order for me to really answer that question, it might be easier to start with what things can we not expect? Because the Bible talks about five things specifically that will not ever be in heaven. For those of you guys who are compulsive note takers, this is the one message you'll ever hear me speak where I'm actually going to speak on points. So this is all for you. Five things you will never see in heaven. The first thing you will never see in heaven is death. You've already died. There is no more death. The, the, the Bible talks about something so cool that when we die, we let go of our physical body. It sits here on earth and it begins to rot. And God gives us something that is called a spiritual body. Now, I believe this spiritual body that's giving to us might resemble a lot like these physical bodies. But don't be fooled. They're much different. Okay, much different. And we're going to get into that. Number one, the first difference is you cannot die. There will be no death in heaven. The second thing you will not see in heaven is sorrow. A lot of us have experienced that in life. It's hard to lose a loved one, isn't it? It's hard. And sorrow begins to sink into your heart. It consumes people. You won't experience that in heaven. Number three, the third thing you will not see in heaven, tears of sadness. There will be no sadness. There will be joy. An unending joy. The fourth thing you will never see in heaven is pain. And lastly, in heaven you will never see sin. You will never see any one of those five things. That's pretty amazing. So now that we have a general understanding of what not to expect in heaven, let's talk about a couple things that we can expect. And... There are also five things I want to talk about that the Bible clearly describes because my goal tonight was not to give you Craig's opinions on heaven because at the very beginning, I clearly said tonight I will fail, but I want to tell you what the Bible says. The first thing that the Bible talks about that we will experience in heaven is that we will be reunited with Christ. Let's just think about that for one second reunited with Christ. If I could have your guys' attention over here. I appreciate that. This man that we've been talking about 
every single week. The guy that we talk about died on a cross for our sins, gave us a chance at forgiveness. We're going to be reunited with him in person. Wow. Wow. The Bible throws the biggest party of all time. You guys think you could party hard? You think Andrew WK knows how to party hard? No, sir. The Bible, it talks about that throws a seven-year party when we get to heaven. Seven years. And they call it the celebration, the marriage celebration of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's read together in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. It says this, Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and His bride has prepared herself. The wedding feast of the Lamb. That's party time. We're going to meet Jesus face to face and it's going to change us and we're going to celebrate. That's how heaven starts. I don't know about you guys. That's pretty sweet start for me, especially when you consider the alternative. The second thing that we will experience in heaven is we will get to serve God. Let's look together in Revelation chapter 22 verses three through five. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night, there will be no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. We will have the opportunity not only to meet God face to face, but to serve Him. The third thing we're going to experience in heaven is we are going to get the opportunity and the privilege to worship God. Revelation 19, excuse me, Revelation 19.5 says this. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him from the least to the greatest. If you have been a Christian for any amount of time, you're going to experience these moments in your life where you're going to be worshiping God and the presence of God's going to come upon you so powerfully that the presence of God is literally almost tangible. You feel like you can reach out and you can grab it. I've experienced several of those in my life and I've walked away every time changed. Moments when we've been at these altars, moments at camps, moments for me in foreign countries where God has literally shown his face and I was forever changed. We have the ability to be in the presence of God and to worship Him. Fourth thing that we will experience in heaven is we're going to be rewarded. We talked about this a little bit briefly. Matthew 16, 27. It says this, For the Son of Man will come with His angels in the glory of His Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. What deeds are we sowing now? And lastly, The last thing we're going to experience in heaven is you will know God and you will be known by him. First Corinthians 13, 12 says this. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. A lot of people read this verse and they think that when we get to heaven, we're going to know everything about everything. And I don't think that's the case. We have a fancy word that we throw around in the church and it's called being omniscient, 
all-knowing. And I don't think when we die and we go to heaven, we'll have the ability to know everything. But I do think we'll have the ability to know the most important thing. Many of us, we love God and we serve him. We read his word and we read it sometimes that we're just confused because we don't know sometimes what it's trying to say. We misinterpret it. But when we die, there will be no more confusion. See, I have a best friend in the world. His name is Jordan Duckworth. I don't know. I don't, I'm not confused about who Jordan is. I could tell you everything you need to know about him. Why? Because he's my friend. Because we spent our lives together. With God, when we go to heaven, we will receive him. We will meet him face to face. And we will know who he is. But can I tell you something tonight as we conclude? Do you know what the problem is? The problem is we're not in heaven. The problem is that we're here on earth. And we live in a world of death. We live in a world of sorrow. We live in a world of pain and sin. And so what I would like every single person in this room to begin to develop develop in your life is what I like to call a heavenly tension. And it means this. It means you long so badly to go to that place. You long so badly to be in the presence of God, to experience heaven. But yet at the same time, you understand that God has placed you here on earth for a reason. For such a time as this. And you have people in your life who God has placed you here to impact. You have people here who you need to serve. You can make a difference now. And that's the question I want to ask you guys in closing tonight. Is what difference are we making? What impact are we leaving? What is our legacy? Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Dear God, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to just just try to figure out your mind, to figure out your creative hand. Lord, as we begin to discuss heaven, and we know that it is a place that you long for everyone to be, but we know it's a place where people deny. So tonight, I didn't say anything to try to scare anyone. But the reality is that if you're not living for God, you will not go to heaven. You will not go to this place. And it will be the worst decision you've ever made in your life. And so I look as I look around this room, I see a lot of new faces. And I want to give you the opportunity tonight. I don't care if everyone in this room already thinks you're a Christian. I don't care if you think you're the worst sinner in here. It doesn't matter. Because God's grace is bigger than that and you. But if you would say, Craig, I want to make a change in my life. I want to receive Christ. And I want to go to heaven. If that's you and you want to make that decision, I will not embarrass you. I won't pull you up here. I just want to give you a chance to raise your hand right now. I see your hand, buddy. You can put it down. Anyone else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, bud. I see that hand. Anyone else? I'm not going to belabor this or elongate this, but I just want to give you an opportunity. I love you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You can put your head down. Five people. They were bold enough to say, Craig, I want to make a difference. 
Thank you. Let's, I want to say a prayer together. And if you say this prayer and if you mean it, the Bible says that you are a new creation. And when you die, when you exit this world, you will spend eternity in heaven with him. Let's all repeat this prayer together tonight. Dear God, let's say it louder. Dear God, I love you. I want to spend eternity with you. Forgive me of my sins, of my selfishness, and my fear. I invite you to come into my heart. Lord, over my life. And be my God. I believe in my heart. And confess with my mouth. That you are the son of God. Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins. And because of that death, I can have life. If you said that prayer and you meant it tonight, I congratulate you. If you raised your hand or not, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And lastly, the last call I want to make is this. There's a lot of kids in this room tonight who think they have everyone fooled. They put on the, the Christian face, they walk the walk, they talk the talk, and their lives are absolutely disgusted to God. You live a lie. Your spirituality is false. And I don't judge you, but with love in my heart, I plead with you to open your eyes and realize that it's time to make a change. If you're in here tonight, it doesn't matter if if you're one of those people I described, you're being a hypocrite or Craig, you're like, I really got it together, but I just want to, I want to do better. And you'd say the deeds that I'm doing here on earth, they're just not cutting it, man. I want to receive that reward one day. I want to make a lasting impact. I want to give greater with my, with my finances, with my life, with my heart, with my time. I want to truly begin to walk this Christian life. Like the Bible talks about, if that's you just raise your hand tonight. No one's looking around. Hands up all over this room. Man, my hand's raised. You can put those down. Let's stand together. There's people in this rooms, in this room tonight. We're in all different walks of life. And I, I wish that we could just let go of this idea that we have to be pretend to be someone we're not. You know what? You're all screwed up. I'm screwed up. Can't we just accept each other? Let go of that and pursue Christ. We're going to sing this song, lead me to the cross. And the cross is the quintessential element. It is central to the message of Christ because it's there on the cross. Jesus died on a cross for our sins and we can have forgiveness. And because of that cross, five people, at least in this room, made a decision to follow him. And because of that cross, the rest of us, can continue to find strength.